Coming to you live <clears throat> from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> One of my favorites around this time of the year. Welcome, one and all. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of the Israel Show. I'm Mayor Weingarten on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're appreciative. We're thankful that you're here, that you're joining us. We are live here each and every week, each and every Monday, immediately following JM and the AM. 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time. We're also available, oh, and wherever you are right now, whatever time it is where you are, that's the time that we're on live. means if you're listening to us from Novosibirsk, then uh, I don't know what time it is there. But whatever time it is, that's when we're on. So you can note it for the future weeks. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if there's a place called Novosibirsk, but there's something that sounds like a place that really does exist. (laughs) Anyway... And we are available on demand. Whenever you want to listen to it, just go to NachumSiegel.com or to, as Nachum says, the beloved NSN app. It's available for free for iPhones, for Androids, for all the eyes, by the way. iPad, iPhone, you can listen to it on any device. You don't need an iPhone. If you have an iPad, it works too. If you have an iPad mini, it works too. As long as you can get the Nachum Single Network app, it'll be fine. 
And um, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the Israel show, facebook.com slash the Israel show. And we post after the show at some point during the day, we will post for you a link to the show. So if you want to listen back to something, you can do so through there. Or if you want, and we encourage you to want, to share with friends who may not be familiar with the show. You want to tell them, listen, this is a great great show you'll really enjoy this show here's a link you can listen to today's edition so we have a link to the show and we have links to all the music that we played during the show it's like a playlist of everything and then you can listen to songs that you like whenever you want as well those are links to youtube uh, videos of the songs if a song doesn't have a youtube video then we won't post the link to the non-existing (laughs) youtube video um and those that are you know, um, listening in early, and um, if you're if it's any time before Thursday, um, just a quick programming note, as they like to say on the news. Uh, I'll be filling in for Nachum on Purim morning. This is a uh, tradition that goes back about 18 years. Uh, so if uh, Purim falls out on a weekday. The Purim tradition is that I'm there. And we have different traditions that we follow within the show. There's certain things that we do at certain times. For example, um, the late Ben Zion Schenker, who we lost like within the last year or, or so, um, <clears throat> he has a very famous Shoshanat Yaakov, Tzahalava Samecha. It has several different parts and so forth. Um, we play it at about 7.30 on Purim morning, maybe right after Rabbi Goldwasser. So there are other, other minhagei Purim at JM and the AM that we have, and we'll be happy to share them with you. If you join us, we'll be on live from 6 to 9 at JM and the AM on the Nachum Siegel Network, or, uh, of course, whenever you want, on demand. We have interesting stuff coming up. We're going to share a little bit about what's going on in Israel with all the uh, investigations of Prime Minister Netanyahu. More important than the investigations, I think, is what, how, how will it affect Israel's functioning? Will the Prime Minister have to resign? What, what's going to happen? And last, yesterday, there was a, a real bombshell of, uh, of a story which uh, might put a new light, you know... A, a, Last week there was a bombshell, and everybody said, "Oh, now it's a whole new story." Then yesterday there was a bombshell. Now it's a whole nother new story. So we're going to try and give you uh, some updates about that. We, um, I heard this morning, just heard it this morning, about a story that happened in um, February of 1969. It's uh, around this time in uh, in 69. Uh, that I never heard of, having to do with a Mordechai, a Jewish Mordechai, his name was Mordechai Rachamim, who uh, was a hero for the Jewish people at that time. And so many interesting little little tidbits that, that match up here and there with the Purim story. But more importantly, I think it's important that we all know who this person is, because he really was uh, was a hero and did some heroic things. Uh, so we'll share that with you. There's some uh, archaeological news. We'll hopefully we'll get to all of that. And we have a lots of brand new music. Lots and lots of brand new music. Ilan Reichel, as Nacho mentioned, was uh, interviewed on JM Dame recently. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be a difficult day with this uh, sore throat, I guess. Came out with uh, a new song this past week, as did Yishai Rebo, as did Rami Kleinstein. Three big, big names here on uh, on the Israel Show. So we're going to share with you those debuts, and we'll start with Idan Reichel Ve'im Tavoi Elai. My name is Mayor Wanger, and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Ich 
עידן רייכל, ברנד ניו, דייבוינג היר אונדה ישראל שואו, ג'וסט ריליסט, ואם תבואי אליי, לינק תדעת יוטיוב וידאו אוף דה סונג און פייסבוק דאט קאם סלאש דה ישראל שואו, אפטר דה שואו, את סום פוינט דרינג דה דיי, וויל פוסט אט אפ פור יו, סו, סו, דה פוליס אין ישראל, האב בין אינבסטיגיינג Prime Minister Netanyahu, for a very long time, I would say years, in various different, they call it tikim, you know, um, police files or, or, or investigation files, and they have numbers. So there's tik elef, tik alpayim, tik shlosh dalafim. Each, <clears throat> each new investigation is, gets a new uh, a new file number and that's the way it's referred to in Israel like the uh, the 1000 file investigation the 2000 file and so forth and by now Israelis who follow any news are uh, well aware of of what each one of these files is tick LF 1000 is um, allegations that Prime Minister Netanyahu took bribes and Uh, and the uh, 2000 file 2000 uh, in the police uh, filing system <laughs> is that um, Prime Minister Netanyahu colluded with the publisher of Yidiyot Achronot, Noni Moses to um, to to um, change certain things in the newspaper Israel Hayom which would benefit Yidiyot Achronot and in, in, in return Yediyot Achronot would give favorable coverage to 
Netanyahu, which something which it, it doesn't do. Uh, we covered that in depth at the time when it came out. It was uh, it was like, okay, if anybody thinks they can trust anything that they read in the media, if you thought that until now, until that point now, you know that you can't trust anything. Everything's up for sale. Um, then there was another uh, another case, Tikshlosh Dalafim, which had to do with the purchase of submarines for the Israeli Navy from Germany. Germany was selling Israel submarines, and there were allegations that um, there was a lot of corruption, that people that were middlemen in, the, in, the, um, in this deal, in this sale, were going to profit personally from the sale, and, and uh, the allegation is also that Israel possibly bought more submarines than it needed in order for these people to line their pockets. It's been said over and over and over and over again by everybody that Prime Minister Netanyahu has nothing to do with this Tikshlosh uh, Dalafim, although who the heck knows what, what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and and on and on. Now, uh, how, how do they do this investigation? How do they know what happened between, you know, what conversations happened between Prime Minister Netanyahu and the publisher of Yidio Rachrono, Noni Moses, or, or, or the conversations between uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and the, the person who supposedly bribed him, Arnon Milchin. We'll tell you about that in a second. So the only way they can really know to get inside is to, um, to, to have somebody turn state's witness. Meaning you, you have somebody who's very close to one of the parties, you catch them on some minor technicality, and you threaten them. You say, you say to this person, listen, I've caught you doing something, again, w- relatively minor. In a normal situation, this person would never be investigated, would never go to pr- trial, would never go to prison. But, but in order to... to cause tremendous pressure upon to bring pressure upon him in order for him to snitch on the people that the police are trying to get information about in this case Netanyahu they they basically they they grab him they put him in prison they say we we're going to hold you in prison and lock up which is a very difficult thing for somebody who's a close advisor to to a prime minister or 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 a wealthy donor or whatever it is and we'll keep you in prison, and we'll make your life miserable, and we'll we'll you'll have to get a lawyer, and it'll cost you a fortune of money, and we'll we will literally turn your life into a nightmare. And the police, by doing this to people that are close to Netanyahu, who have information that the police are looking for, they ultimately get some of these people to crack. I, I can't blame any of them. Um, these are people that have served Netanyahu well and, and loyally over the years. But when you're a young person and you have a family and, and the police literally, uh, you know, I think the police all over the world probably do this, but the police use all kinds of, uh, let's call them heavy-handed tactics. I don't want to say mafia tactics, heavy-handed tactics to break you. It's, it's very little you can do. It's very hard to hold out. And this happens all over the world. It's happened in America um, during all the investigations of, uh, of Clinton at the time, and it's happening now in America under the investigations of, uh, of Trump. They do the same thing. They catch somebody who's close. They, they find some little thing to, to hold them by, and they use that as leverage. So <clears throat> the first person who was close to Netanyahu to turn state witness was Ari Harrow. We spoke about that also months ago when that happened. Then the big bombshell was <clears throat> another person turned state witness, um, Shlomo, also known as Momo Filber, also a very devoted confidant and, and supporter and aide to um, Prime Minister Netanyahu. So last week he turned state witness. Um, now what happens is that the police use the media to create a public hysteria and by doing so ultimately what what the what the end game for all the people involved on on the police side is to topple prime minister netanyahu 
because they feel that they can't do it. They wouldn't be able to do it through elections. He's too, he's too um, strong. So let's c- keep bombarding the media with leaks from the police. Every night, there's another leak, another leak, and there's certain journalists that are well-known that they have sources in the police, and the police keeps leaking, and every night... They just add on another piece of information, another piece of news that makes Prime Minister Netanyahu look like the most crooked politician you can possibly imagine. Is he? I don't know. And the funny thing is, nobody really knows. Because other than one person and the people in the police, no one, one person outside of the police, I should say, and and, uh, other than the police people that that wrote uh, recommendations, nobody really knows what's in the file other than the leaks. And the leaks are obviously one-sided, the leaks to the media. So everyone is talking about all these, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, another another, um, scandal and another scandal, and it's all one big scandal. and, And at the end of the day, there's a lot of noise, and there's a lot of hysteria, we really don't know what is real and what is not. What is something that is acceptable and done by others in the past, and what is over the line and considered corrupt or not. For example, in the first, um, in the first case, 1,000, there is an Israeli by the name of Arnon Milchin. You might know the name because he left Israel at one point, um, came to America, went to Hollywood, and became a big Hollywood producer. He's produced some major films in Hollywood. I think he might have even won an Oscar. I don't remember. Arnon Milchin, super wealthy guy, makes sure that he is close, like many rich people do, that he's close to the powers that be in, in Israel whether it's Netanyahu or, or Barack or Olmert or whoever it was, Arnon Milchin bought them gifts, made sure that they were uh, close, kept in contact with them, because that's the way a lot of rich people work. I'm sure Donald Trump did the same thing in his day when he was um, a real estate tycoon. Arnon Milchin then turned out did some work for the Mossad, used his fortune and fame and and his connections to do some work for the Mossad. And at some point, he asked the prime minister to help him get a visa to remain in the United States, to extend his visa to remain in the United States. And the prime minister did. The prime minister did speak to the um, Secretary of State and so forth. Prime Minister says, I would have done that for any person, any Israeli, who served his country in the Mossad and helped us, and as a result, the American government was uh, somewhat hesitant to give him an extending, extending his visa. I mean, here's a big movie producer in Hollywood. Why wouldn't they extend his visa? It's like done every other day but Netanyahu believed that it was because of his work for Israeli government and so he he intervened on his behalf now Milchin it it now turns out Milchin gave the Netanyahu couple many many gifts mainly fine cigars that Netanyahu likes to smoke and jewelry for Mrs. Netanyahu how much a lot of numbers are bandied about and all kinds of rumors. But the truth is, nobody knows really how much. So that's the allegation that our known Milchin quote-unquote bribed the Prime Minister by giving him gifts. Milchin and the Prime Minister both say, we're friends. It's not just, uh, you know... A bribery thing. It's not he wanted something, he gave me gifts and so forth. We've been friends for the longest time. We've been friends for decades. And and as friends, he brings gifts. And what I intervened for him 
is really something I would do for any other person in that situation. It's a really hard case to make, quite frankly. The police have been leaking all this information that I just told you. The only way we know it is from leaks from the police. I don't know what other stuff is in that file. I don't know how much money is involved. I don't know a lot of other things. But the police... In Israel, the way the system works is the police investigate. Then when their investigation is finished, they write a report that is a recommendation to the attorney general. Won't get into the whole attorney general thing in Israel. It's a little different than the United States, but it doesn't matter. He writes a recommendation to the attorney general. And then the Attorney General sits, studies the recommendation, possibly has to go back to the police and say, look, I need more information about this or that or the other thing. And then the Attorney General will make a decision whether there is a chance in the court system that the person would be found guilty. Meaning, after reviewing all the evidence in this file and after possibly trying, uh, needing more evidence, investigating again and so forth, the Attorney General might say, you know what, it's just not enough. It's just not enough here. There's not, you don't have a 90% chance of convicting the person in court. And so I'm not going to prosecute. And this has happened quite a number of times before in Israel. And even worse, in numerous cases when it comes to politicians that, there were forces out to get them. They were brought to court and they were found innocent. Famously, Yaakov Ne'eman Zal, who was appointed Minister of Justice and there were a lot of people in different high places in the court system that didn't want him to be there. They, they just made something up, basically. Brought it to court and he was found totally totally innocent. But in the meantime, years of his life went by. In the meantime, he couldn't serve as minister and so forth. So this is a disgusting, like I say, mafia-style way of using the court system to influence the political system. You can't get him out through the vote. Let's get him out by the courts. And many say that that's what's happening in America today with the Mueller Commission and so forth. Um, So basically... Up until this point in time, the police has made their recommendations. As we say, their recommendations are not binding. The fact that they recommend or that they say there's enough evidence in here to take the guy to court does, doesn't mean anything really. It's just There's just the public perception that it creates that if you keep – if you open the newscast three, four times a week – with a headline that says the Prime Minister is guilty of this, the police have told us, and so forth, then you create a public perception that the Prime Minister is crooked. The police have an angle. What's the police's angle? The Prime Minister appointed the new Chief of Police. Boy, does he regret that now. From outside of of the institution itself. The police want that the chief of police should be appointed from within, obviously. And when Prime Minister Netanyahu appointed somebody from outside, they were very upset. And um, they have a vendetta. There's no question. They have a vendetta against Netanyahu. Even one of the reporters on Arut Shtayim who continue to pump out this anti-Netanyahu stuff, said very clearly, Amnon Abramovich, said, who is so is terribly biased against Netanyahu, and there's so many ways to see that, but he said, don't start up with the police. The police are um, vindictive, and they won't let go. That's who they are. They're a strong, vindictive organization that won't let go. And so the police has recommended in two cases that uh, Netanyahu be tried. But it's meaningless at this point until the Attorney General reviews the, um, the police recommendations. And I will tell you that probably there will not be a decision by the Attorney General, Mendelblit. 
in un- until maybe the winter months of 2018 and pos- probably not until 2019. And the elections are going to be in 2019 anyway. So when people think, oh, Netanyahu scandal and another scandal, another scandal, and now another state's witness, another state's witness, it really doesn't mean anything. Other than the public perception that's been created that he's corrupt, his supporters are still supporting him. His poll numbers have not dropped, you know, have not gone down dramatically and so forth. His supporters say there's a vendetta here. They're, they're, you know, setting him up for a fall. And that's what's happening. So they continue to support him. Another reason that I think that this will not have any effect in the near future, unless there's some other bombshell, is that the coalition partners have no interest in giving up the power that they have. Whether it's uh, Naftali Bennett and Ayelet Shaked, whether it's the Aguda, whether it's Kahlon and his party, um, all involved, uh, Lieberman, the uh, Secretary of Defense, all involved in the government, every single party in the government does not want to go back to elections because they all fear that in, a, in an upcoming election they'll come out weaker. So they have really come together, closed ranks, and said there's no reason to shut down this government. There's no reason to go to elections just because of recommendations, which we really aren't so sure what they mean. That's the general overview of what's happening. The police have used their power to intimidate people and force them to become state's witness. They all say they were forced, that they didn't want to, but they had no choice. Um, the the uh, police then use the media to constantly pump out all kinds of Information and disinformation in order to create a public atmosphere of Netanyahu is a crook. He's bribery. He he gets things because he likes good cigars and he likes fancy things. So he makes sure to to get them from people and so forth. Um, And... uh, And then the police put out this recommendation, which the Attorney General gets. We don't know what it says in it, although we know the general gist of it, that um, Netanyahu should be uh, put on trial. The bombshell of yesterday was in another case against Netanyahu, having to do with uh, the phone company Bezek, without getting into all the crazy details. But people that that they're investigating that they've kept in prison... These are people that were CEOs of Bezek and, 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 and high-ranking officers in the corporation and people that worked with Netanyahu and so forth. People that don't, don't really feel comfortable spending nights in prison and having to hire lawyers and putting their life on hold for, for months on end, if not longer, while the police drag them through this. So what happens is when they're, they're in prison and the police has to come, in order to get them to, to prison, the police have to come to a judge and say, look, we have reason to believe that Mr. X has information that can help us in the case that we are now investigating against Prime Minister Netanyahu. And if we let Mr. X roam free, if we don't put him in prison... He will tamper with witnesses. He'll go take, uh, go to his house and go in office and, and destroy information and so forth. So we're asking the judge that you allow us to put him in prison for seven days. And the police are not allowed to do that in order to intimidate the witness. They're only allowed to do it in case there's a real reason to believe that having the person free will create a problem for the investigation. And then the judge will say, okay, based on the evidence that you have given me and that I have reviewed, 
I agree with you that he should be in prison, let's say, for seven days. Now, when the seven days are up, if the guy hasn't turned state witness yet, the police have to come back to the judge and yet again prove the case that they should lengthen the time that they're in prison. Ha'arachat ma'asar. To lengthen the, the stay in prison, meaning to, to torture them even more because they haven't broken yet. Or what really should happen is if the police really need to continue to investigate um, and they're afraid of tampering. Turns out that in one of the cases, the investigator who would be coming before the judge today and the judge were in collusion. They found, somebody found, it's amazing uh, scoop, I don't know how they got it, but um, Channel 10 News in Israel got, literally got the, the WhatsApp messages that were going back and forth between the, um, the investigator and the judge. This was going on on Sunday or, or on, on Shabbat about the court appearance on Monday, in which they say, the, the investigator says to the judge, well, the good news is that this and this, Mr. X and Mr. Y, we're not going to ask you to extend their prison time, but Mr. Z and Mr. W, we, uh, we're going to ask for three days, but it's surely okay, wink, wink, meaning we want you to, that you say two days. So, so the whole thing is that this is what exploded yesterday. So the whole thing is the whole system is corrupt. If the investigator is supposed to come to a judge in order to dec- for the judge to decide whether the request to extend somebody's time in prison, somebody who ha- who hasn't been convicted of anything, he's a suspect. But suspects don't usually get put into prison unless they're a danger to society or they'll influence the investigation but the judge has to be convinced that there's real cause and here we see that the judge and the investigators are in collusion the judge doesn't even care what the cause is if the investigator wants that that's what she's going to give him so now it's tainted everything and the supporters of Netanyahu obviously even though this particular case was only on one of the uh, three or four investigations against Netanyahu, but they're saying, hey, you know what? Everything is corrupt in the court system. Everything is corrupt in the police. This we know about, this case that happened now, but I'm sure, we're sure there's so much more that we don't know about. And so, that is what exploded yesterday. And now, you know, like I said, every few days in Israel, I said, oh my God, now that we know this, the whole story is different. So when uh, Shlomo Filber agreed to be uh, state's witness, everybody said, that's it, that's the end. There was another story. There was a story about that they tried to bribe a judge. It turns out that it's not really true. It's just, I think it's insane what's happening there. I, I don't know where the truth is, and maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, but one thing is for sure, just for the prime minister to resign just because the police have presented stuff to the attorney general without the attorney general saying, you know, this is really bad things. You have to be tried to see if you're innocent or not. There's no reason for a prime minister to resign unless, for whatever reason, he can't um, he can't function, you know, if he's so busy with uh, all the stuff. I think uh, that was a, a, a real, you know, <laughs> the complete guide to the Netanyahu investigations. We'll go back to music and then uh, we'll continue with other items on the agenda. Yishai Rebo, brand new, literally hot off the charts, hot off the presses. Achat ulitamid off of the upcoming album Shetach Afor. My name is Mayor Weingarten, debuting it here on The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
ברגע הזה אני אתה ויצרי, אין לי פנים להפנת יותר, גם לא תירוצים. גם לא תירוצים. והלכתי לאיבוד בתוך שוק הומי אדם, עמוק בתוך זוטו של ים, אבל אני יודע שלא תתייאש ממני לעולם. שונסתי מפניך כמו אידיוט, ברחתי להרים, בניתי מסביבי חומות מגדלים, חדרי חדרים. חדרי חדרים, האמת, אני בוש ונכלם, אין דבר שמפניך נעלם, מלך חי וקיים, מלך חי וקיים. ואני רוצה לעשות רצונך כרצונך, באמת ובתמים, אחת ולתמיד, בלי מסכים, בלי מסכות, בלי לרצות לרצות, באמת אחת ולתמיד. שוב הרגע הזה, אני ליבי ובשרי, אין לי מילים להגיד יותר, גם לא חרוזים. גם לא חרוזים. הנה פרעתי את עצמי בפניך לפרוטות, מדבר גבוהה גבוהה, אבל עושה מעט מאוד. עושה מעט מאוד. וחזרתי לסורי, ושגיתי בעומרי, ששוב לא אכתב וישוב, לא אכתב וישוב, לא אכתב וישוב. ואיכשהו סיפקת בידי שוב. ואני רוצה לעשות רצונך כרצונך, באמת ובתמים, אחת ולתמים, בלי מסכים, בלי מסכות, בלי לרצות לרצות, באמת ובתמים, אחת ולתמים, ואני רוצה לעשות רצונך כרצונך. אחת ולתמיד, בלי מסכים, בלי מסכות, בלי לרצות לרצות, באמת ובתמיד, אחת רצונך כרצונך, באמת ובתמיד, אחת ולתמיד, בלי מסכים, בלי מסכות, בלי לרצות לרצות, באמת ובתמיד, אחת ולתמיד. Yishai Rebo, as always, great stuff, beautiful words, basically saying to God, you know, I'm trying my best, I slip, I fall, I do tshuva, and then I slip and fall again, but I know, God, that you understand that this is the... way humans are and you will continue to support me and forgive me and help me in my struggle it's a it's a beautiful song yet another one by Ishai Rebo my name is Mayor Wangad and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network so as promised this is a story that I wasn't aware of until this morning believe it or not it's a story of it's timely for a lot of reasons first of all it's a story about a hero by the name of Mordechai very different obviously than the one in the Megillah And it happened around this time in 1969, on February 18th, 1969. You may remember, if you were alive back then, or if not, so let me tell you that after the Six-Day War, the Arabs, the Palestinian Arabs, invented really a, a form of terrorism in order to 
bring their message to uh, the world attention. Unfortunately, they were very successful because the world um, just doesn't understand <laughs> how to deal with this stuff. Anyway, so in 68, 69, there began these attacks on planes. And mainly, at the beginning at least, the attacks were on Al planes until Al was able to gather with the Shin Bet um, to find ways to avoid these, um, to protect against such attacks. And so um, the the planes, the allowed planes, already back then in 1969, February of 69, had on board special security people who um, who were on every flight, who were armed and so forth. It had not dawned on the uh, El Al people, the Shin Bet people, the Mossad people, that the attacks wouldn't necessarily come by way of hijacking and so forth, but it could be that the plane sitting on a runway in a foreign country would be attacked. The plane itself would be attacked um, before it even took off. And so at that time, there wasn't really... Uh, security that took that into account today of course there is when you when you land in New York um, on an LL flight you can see racing alongside as the plane is taxiing racing alongside it is a uh, a a van with LL markings on it which is obviously a security van that is watching over the plane as it's taxing down the runway, in addition to so many other security um, arrangements that they have for the planes when they're on the ground, but in those days they didn't. So, um, this group of uh, terrorists from the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine were in Zurich International Airport, and started firing from uh, their rifles, AK, I think it was AK-47, yeah, AK-47 assault rifles, and tossing grenades at the plane. They were able to hit the cockpit, and they seriously wounded some of the people, including the co-pilot. His name was Yoram Peres. He died of his wounds a month later. Now, the security guard on the plane, his name is Mordechai. His name is Mordechai Rachamim. Mordechai Rachamim was was born in Kurdistan. And his non-Jewish name is Marduch. His father's name was David, and his mother's name was Esmer. Not Esther, but Esmer, but close, right? At the age of five, he uh, the family went to Israel. He was in Sayeret Matkal, in that great elite unit of the Israeli army. So, he's in the plane, and he starts hearing the noises. He runs to the cockpit. He also saw that on the cockpit, people were on the ground. So, he runs into the danger, and start shooting at the terrorists from the window of the cockpit. There's a window that can open in the cockpit, and he starts shooting at the terrorists from that window. He sees that he, he's going to need to do more than that. He runs to the back of the plane, tells the flight attendant to open the door and and uh, deploy that chute that you um, can uh, slide down. You, I'm sure you've all seen it. Um, it's for emergency situations when you land and, and the people need to get off the plane. You can't get stairs. So there are these inflatable, like slides, chutes, whatever they call them, where you're supposed to take off your shoes so it shouldn't um, make a hole, puncture the, the inflatable chute. Um, he slid down the chute and continued his attack on on uh, to assault uh, the the terrorists, it's just amazing. This is a guy. There's four terrorists. There they have grenades. They have um, they have machine guns. He only has a pistol, but 
he's a hero and he just realized that he had to save the the rest of the people and he ran after them and he shot them and was able to hurt injure them enough that uh, the shooting stopped that's an amazing story and of course after that like i said um they started being more careful about the possibility of um of there being attacks against planes as they stood on the tarmac. So so yeah, that that's heroic enough. You think that he he literally put himself straight in harm's way. I mean La Havdil, we talk about what happened in Florida not long ago. In, what was it, Parkland, I think it's called. Um where the guards allegedly just sat outside while the shooting was going on. They didn't engage the shooter. They just stood aside, away from the shooter. And this hero, Israeli hero, Jewish hero, Rachamim, Mordechai Rachamim, engaged the in, in, in the most direct way, at first through the through the cockpit window and then directly literally going after them running after them even though he was he he was not equipped with 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 anything that would have given him superiority over them as far as the weaponry that he had the ironic part of the story is that while this battle is going on, obviously somebody called the police, the Swiss police. This is going on at the airport in Zurich. So they called the Swiss police, and the Swiss police come, and they grab the terrorists and take away their ammunition, and they grab Mordechai Rachamim and take away his weapon. Believe it or not, after investigating, the Swiss government brought charges against Mordechai Rachamim. This is crazy. This is like, you can't believe this. They brought charges against the terrorists and against the hero who saved everybody from the terrorists. Now you're wondering what happened. So, in the sick world that we live in, thankfully Mordechai Rachamim was found not guilty. But can you imagine that? He had to he had to go to court. He had a trial. They accused him of killing. He was found not guilty. I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on the Swiss. What about the terrorists? Well, the terrorists too were found, well, they were found guilty. Three of the four that were still alive were found guilty and were sentenced to a very long prison period. Now you're saying to yourself, how long did these terrorists end up sitting in jail? Well, this is the way things used to work in the world, and they're probably similar ways that these things continue to work in the world. Not long after the sentence, Arab terrorists hijacked a Swiss airplane. And they said, we'll release this Swiss airplane if you release the three terrorists. And of course, Switzerland just did it right there and then. No talk, no negotiation. It was just, yeah, sure, okay. That's the world we live in. That, by the way, happened with the Munich massacre um, people too. The people that were caught, the Arabs that were caught, that were alive, that were responsible for the massacre of the Israeli um, athletes in Munich, were put in jail. And not long after that, the Arabs hijacked a Lufthansa aircraft 
and demanded their release of the terrorists, and they were released. And later, many, many years later, it turned out that this was totally set up beforehand. It was an understanding between the Arab terrorist organizations and Germany. You, you know, take one of our planes and we'll... Uh, whatever. Okay, we'll uh, try and fit one more song in. This is uh, the third song that we are debuting today. La Hava Basof Nashuv, Rami Kleinstein, brand new, debuting it here on the Israel Show. Now, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Einstein, brand new, debuting right here on the Israel Sholah. Basof Nashuv will post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show, coming up soon. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network. You don't want to miss this now. Yoni Pollock. With after further review covering the latest in the world of sports, with a tremendous mazel tov going out to the YU basketball team, the Maccabees. And there's going to be a lot of coverage of that world-shattering um, record event of the YU basketball team winning the championship. And then, of course, the Great Monday Music Marathon continues. I'll be over at Jamin the AM filling in for Nachum on Purim. 
Thursday morning between 6 and 9 Eastern Time. Please join me as you join Nachum every day. And until next Monday, immediately following JMDAM, <clears throat> this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Mm-hmm.